0: It is truly a joy to be here with you, and really super quick, if this is actually your first time to any one of our locations, whether here at Greenwood, or Banta or Franklin, or Garfield Park, or if it's your first time tuning in online, we want to say thank you for accepting someone's invitation. Can we give it up for all of our first-time guests today? Thank you so much. We hope your experience thus far has been a good one. And if you're not brand new, uh, welcome back. You guys look great today. So we're smack dab in the middle of a series right now called No Regrets. Pastor Cody got this series started two weeks ago and he talked about this idea, introduced us to the idea. It's common sense that we all have regrets in our life, right? We have financial regrets, relationship regrets, things that we wish we didn't do, right? Or things that we wish that we did do. That's the definition of a regret. Feeling of sorrow over something that we did do or that we didn't do in our lives, and Pastor Cody said that one of the main sources of regret in our life is this idea of settling. Ah, it's good is good enough, right? We come up with these idea these ideas in our mind that cause us to kind of kick back. And settle in. All the good ones are taken, right? You're always going to have debt. At least the job carries insurance, right? And we cover, we come up with all these ideas in our minds on, of why we should just kind of settle in and stop striving to change our life. The only problem with that is over 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, a pile of regret can build up in our lives. And that's too heavy to carry. And all we've said in this series is, is it possible to live? with less regret? Is it possible to reduce the amount of regret in our life? We said yes, it is. But Pastor Cody talked about how if you're going to reduce the amount of regret in your life, you have to dream big. You have to stop playing small. You've got to get super clear on what God wants to do through your life. And that vision has to touch more than just you in your life. It's got to go past you. If you missed week one, go back and check that out. And then we said in week number two that if you want to see that dream become a reality, you have to be willing to do what? Put in the work. You have to be determined. You can't just have an interest in something. If you only have an interest in something, you'll only work when it's convenient. But when you're committed, when you have determination, you will accept no excuses, only results, right? And so it takes determination to turn the dream into reality. I'm not going to re-preach that talk, although it was fun last week. It was tough. Did I offend some of you? Well, sorry if I did, I had to say that stuff, because we need to hear that sort of stuff in our lives to push us forward. Today, I wanna talk about a third reason or a third strategy that we can apply to our lives so that we can live a life with less regret in our life. And really, you know what this series is all about? It's actually about experiencing all that God intends to do in and through your life. So if you're taking notes, grab a pen, jot this down, Third way to live a life of no regret, be bold enough to, say it with me, risk. Say it again, risk. Be bold enough to risk. A couple years ago, I read a book called Dream Big by an author named Bob Goff. Anybody familiar with Bob? You got to read his stuff. A couple years ago, he came out with a book called Love Does. Read that book. Totally inspired me. Then he came out with a second book called Everybody Always. Phenomenal book. This is actually his third book, Dream Big. And Bob, if you don't know Bob, he is a big-time dreamer, okay? Let me give you an example. Chapter 22 of this book, called it's called Living on the Edge of Yikes. That's the title of chapter 22. And he, and he talks about how one of his ambitions in life is to stop an armed conflict somewhere in the world. I mean, can you imagine? I sit down and I write my New Year's resolutions. Oh, you know, I'm going to eat healthier this year. I'm going to read more books this year. I am going to, you know, listen to more podcasts this year. Bob sits down and says, you know what I'm going to do this year? We're going to end an armed conflict somewhere in the world. I mean, who puts that stuff down on their list? How about you? Like, I don't. And he means business. He actually has an organization called Restore International. It's now called Love Does. But what what this organization does is they go into hostile situations to try to bring resolution. It's unbelievable the risks that his organization and he himself takes. But he's, he's really not interested in peace. I mean, he is. But that's really not the point. He wants to bring peace between two parties that are having some sort of uh, military conflict. That's true. But if you listen to what he talks about and you read the book, what he's really interested in is saving the people who pay the highest price when there's an armed conflict. And those are the young girls between 10 and 15. They are the ones in the midst of a civil war, an armed conflict that get kidnapped, stolen, and sold into the sex slave trade. And that's really his passion. So he has this organization that goes in and he tries to save these girls in the midst of these terrible situations. Highly risky. In fact, in one particular situation, Bob tells a story about how they were in a, a spot in India... And they were trying to save this girl out of a brothel. And they were, ama- they, they were successful. They got her out of this brothel and they were rejoicing and it was this great victory. But then the village and the parents of this girl sold her back to the brothel. And so Bob and his organization, like, no. So they get their crew, Bob himself and the crew. They go back into this, scenario, this situation, this scenario, and they confront this pimp and this brothel. And those got they are ticked off. They, Bob has disrupted their business. And so they come out and there's a mob of them and they start to punch and kick and beat Bob and his friends up. They jump back in the car. Well, that doesn't really give them much safety because the crowd starts to grow and they start to pelt and break the windows with rocks. And Bob, the way he tells the story is much better than I can. He says pretty much he resigned himself to death right there in the middle of this, you know, village in India amazingly, someone had called the police, the Indian police show up, they, they disperse the mob, but they arrest Bob and his guys, and they bring him to an Indian jail, and they say, you've got one phone call. Can you imagine that one phone call? Uh, honey, hey, uh, relax, calm down, are, are you sitting? I'm, I'm in a, I'm in India, I'm in a jail cell. <laughs> Can you imagine this guy, I'm telling you, he is changing the world one person at a time because he is willing to take risks. Not me, not me. When I think about Bob's list of ambitions, you know, and, on a, you know, and I compare it to my list of ambitions, I, I feel like a tiny, I feel like a small fry. <laughs> like a tiny little bitty guy. Like I feel embarrassed at the smallness of my dreams when I read stories like that. like God, why am, I, why, why am I not more like Bob? Why can't I dream big like Billy Graham type stuff or, or Mother Teresa type stuff or Bob Goff type stuff? And here's the answer, here's the answer, it's real simple. I like to play it safe. I like my comfort zone. I don't want rocks thrown in my head. Anybody else with me? Like I like to go to home at night and sleep in my bed with soft sheets. I like safety, security. I don't like guns. I don't like, people who shoot. I don't like people who shoot at me. I try to avoid those scenarios, those neighborhoods. Like, I like safety. Anybody else? Yes or no? Too embarrassed? I'm not too embarrassed. Like, like hook me up with some safety, man. I like comfort and safety. And so that, what that means is that, my, you know, I, I'm not going to take, I'm not going to be going into villages saving and trying to pull girls out of broth. Like, that's probably not where I'm going to be even though that is God's heart. See, I like to play it safe. I'm scared. I'm scared of sharks. Anybody ever seen Shark Week? (laughs) Have you seen this? All week long, they show you video after video. Some girl gets her butt bit off, and this guy gets his arm bit off, and, you know, it's like, who wants to go in the ocean? Not me. Like, I'm gonna die one day, but I will not die in the ocean because I'm not going in there. See, it's that simple. Shh. Here, did you know that when you go in the ocean, doesn't even matter where it is, doesn't even matter where it is, you go in the ocean, you are never more than 100 yards away from a shark. Did you know that? Go ahead, Google it. <laughs> did you know, did you know that, that a tiger shark can close in on you from 100 yards out in 10.2 seconds? Like, you are basically tuna fish. I mean, there's just no chance. So I don't get in the water, I'm scared. And you might laugh at me, and that might be an irrational fear, and that's fine. It probably is. It's real to me. But you have a shark story, don't you? This fear that you have, that you'd love to go to the gym and work out, but there's a bunch of skinny people there. And they might look at you in your spandex and go, oh, wow, you know? (laughs) So you don't go. You don't go, right? You'd love to try to start a business and be an entrepreneur and maybe, you know, get out of the rat race. But you're so scared. What if you fail? What if if you lose your money? You only only have so much. So you don't. You know, you'd love to switch jobs, but gosh, there's job security here. And I've got five years experience, 10 years. I I don't want to start over. So you don't. Like you have a shark story. Yes or no? Raise your hand. you You have a shark story. Yeah, everybody does. We like to play it safe, we we take the safe route. But here's what I've noticed, and this is in your notes here. Playing it safe blocks us from what God intends for us. It really does. If this series is all about, you know, stepping into and realizing all that God has planned for us, if we play it safe, we will never experience what God intended for us. If you think about the story that Pastor Cody introduced us to in 2 Kings a couple weeks ago, Elisha, the man of God, the prophet of God, the backbone of Israel, is dying. Joash is the king, and he's, he's distraught over this because what's he going to do without Elijah? So he goes to visit Elijah on his deathbed. Elijah tells him to do something really odd and really strange. He says, I want you to open the north window, and I want you to shoot an arrow out. And so Joash does it. He shoots the arrow out the window and said, that represents total victory for you. And then he tells Joash, grab the other arrows and strike the ground. And so he grabs the arrows and he strikes the ground once, twice. How many times? Three times. And this weird verse appears in the next phrase. It says that Elisha was angry with Joash. And he says to him, you should have struck the ground five or six times. But you only struck it three times. Had you struck it five, six, ten, fifteen, I added that, you would have had total victory over Aram. But now, since you only struck it three times, you'll have partial victory. Which, it's such an odd story, because it's almost unfair. He didn't explain the rules. He didn't tell Joash, like, what, what the parameters were. But somehow, Elijah, because he was a prophet, he was a man of God, he was able to see inside of Joash that there was something not quite right. That he liked to play it small. That he liked to play it safe. That he was unwilling to put the work in. And he was unwilling to risk And because of that, he was unable to experience all that God had intended for him. You know, there's another story in the Bible in 1 Samuel chapter 14 that gives us a picture of somebody who is very different from Joash. His name is Jonathan. Jonathan was the son of King Saul, the first king of Israel. He was in line to take over the throne. He was going to be the second king of Israel. It didn't work out. David became the second king, but that's another story. But I wanted to tell you who Jonathan was. And one day, God comes to Saul and says, Saul, here's what I want you to do. I want you to fight the Philistines. I want you to wipe them out. So Saul gathers his army, 600 men, military men, and they go out to meet the Philistines. But on one particular day, Saul's just hanging out. It says that he's hanging out with his army underneath a pomegranate tree and they're not moving forward. And he knows exactly where the Philistines are. They're on the other side of this ravine. On the other side, there's this valley that separates them and and Saul's just hanging out and he's not moving and therefore he's really not obeying. So Jonathan, Saul's son, comes up with this idea. This brilliant idea. He is going to take action. He is going to take a risk. I want you to see what he says to his armor bearer in 1 Samuel chapter 14. Let's pick up the story. He says to his armor bearer, let's go across to the outposts of these pagans. Remember, there's a cliff. This is where Saul is with with, with Jonathan. There's a ravine. And on the other side, there are the Philistines. This is what Jonathan said to his armor bearer. And I love this statement. Listen to this. Perhaps, which that word simply means maybe. There might be a chance. I'm not certain but. You with me? Perhaps. You feeling the word? Jonathan says, perhaps the Lord will help us. For nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle, whether he has many warriors or just a few. Now, listen to me. If I were the armor bearer, which basically means he held, you know, uh, uh, Jonathan's sword and his armor. If I were the armor bearer, I would have said this really quick. Uh, Hey, you are awesome, Jonathan. You are very brave. But I think this is a bad idea. I think we should rethink this because a better idea, if you want to beat the Philistines across the ravine, is to, let's go talk with your dad, your dad. He's got 600 guys with him with swords and shields and they can fight. Let's just go talk to him so that me and you don't die. <laughs> That's what I would have said. Would you have said that? But I am prone to safety, okay? I am prone, I like soft sheets. You know ask I me? Mean? Okay, comfort, safety, that's not what he says. Look what he says in verse seven. He says, do what you think is best. I'm completely with you, whatever you decide. This guy was smoking something. (laughs) He was clearly high. I don't know what they smoked back then, but he had something going on. He says, basically, he says, Jonathan, great idea. I'm with you. This is a terrible idea. Now, Jonathan's idea goes from bad to worse because this armor bearer seems to, you know, affirm this kind of, this, this, this plan. Listen to what Jonathan says next. It's incredible. He says, all right, very exciting. Jonathan told him, we'll cross over and here's what we'll do. We'll let them see us. Now hold on to that thought there for a second. And when they see us, if they say stay there, or we'll kill you, then we'll see, we'll you know, we'll stop, and we won't go up. We'll consider that God's will. That, that's 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 a no no right there. Okay, but but armor bearer. If they say come up and fight us, then we will go up, and guess what? That will be the Lord's sign that we that He will help us defeat them. Jonathan has lost his. Mind. Listen, I am no military uh, uh, strategist or expert, but I've seen a lot of movies, okay? Seen a lot of military movies. And I know, even and I, I know nothing, but even I know that, that first of all, you don't show yourself to the enemy, okay? You don't announce, hey, we're over here, guys. Okay, number one. Number two, the military force that has the high ground has a massive advantage. So they're gonna go in the valley and show themselves to the enemy who's up here. So that's bad. And usually the military force that has more men has a massive advantage than the military force that has two. Okay, are you with me, yes or no? Like, he's 0 for 3 on this deal. Listen, guys, I, I, I can't explain it, but if you could get your Bible and go home and read it today, th- this is amazing. Sure enough, Jonathan goes into the valley, shows himself to the Phil- Philistines, the armor bearer, and, and, the, and they say, they take option B, they say, come on up here, we'll teach you a lesson. Jonathan's like, that's our sign. <laughs> Let's go die, you know, I mean... So they go up, and somehow, miraculously, Jonathan and his armor bearer kill 20 Philistine soldiers. And the whole Philistine army, which is a little bit further out, they think that they're being routed by the entire Israelite army, so they start to scurry and, and, and freak out and scamper. Saul's army hears what's going on, so they cross over the ravine, and they start chasing the Philistines. All of a sudden, God intervenes, and there's this massive earthquake, and the earth is shaking, and that day, Israel defeats the Philistines. And it's this massive victory. And I'm sitting there reading this story. I'm like, wow, none of it would have happened if Jonathan hadn't taken a risk. Where did he get this bravery? Where did he get the the, the passion and the courage to take this massive risk? In your notes, I wrote like this, Jonathan had what we would call an advanced mentality, an advanced mentality. A couple years ago, I read this book, Chasing Daylight, by Pastor Irwin McManus, fantastic pastor out in California. He's written many books. In this book, Chasing Daylight, he tells, he teases out the story of Jonathan, and I, he talks about how Jonathan has this, this advanced mentality, this, this mindset that when you get a general direction from God, not a specific plan, because have you noticed he doesn't hand those out? Yes, Dave Ramsey will hand you the seven steps, the seven baby steps. God does not hand out seven steps to a better marriage, seven steps to be a great parent. It's not in the Bible, folks. Yes or no? Have you seen it? If you've seen it, send me an email. He doesn't hand out specific plans designed for your specific life. What he does is he gives you general directions. Go north. And God gave general directions to Saul. He says, I want you to take out the Philistines. But there was no step-by-step plan. And that's why Jonathan takes the general directions that God gave Saul, his father, and he says to his armor bearer, let's go across the ravine, which was a terrible plan. But they didn't have a plan. All they had was a general direction. Jonathan had this thing called an advanced mentality. In the book, McManus explains it like this. He says, Jonathan understood that when you're moving with God, and that's what we're over, I'm assuming that's what you want to do. That's what I want to do with my life. When you're moving with God, you must move forward with an advanced mentality. You move forward unless, watch this, God tells you to what? To stop. You advance unless God tells you to wait. Most of us live the, the exact opposite way. Have you noticed? Because we are committed to safety. We move forward with a stop mentality, waiting for God to say go when he's already given us general directions. But we're like, oh, I can't go there. I'm not gonna go there. I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait. I'm not gonna start that business. I'm not gonna talk to my friend about Christ. I'm not gonna invite that person to church. I'm not gonna give to the church. I'm not gonna be financially... We operate with a no mentality when God has given us all these green lights in front of us. You want to know why? Because we think, and I don't know where we've heard this. You certainly didn't hear it from me. We think, maybe it's because we're Americans. We think that God's highest priority is our safety. That's what we think. That God's number one commitment in heaven is don't let them scrape their knees. And a lot of us parent this way. And it's a terrible parenting strategy. We think that God's number one commitment is to make sure everybody's safe and nobody gets hurt. Is that true? No. Think about it. Jonathan would have had that mentality. Would he have ever crossed over that ravine to fight the Philistines? Would he have have voluntarily chosen... The more likely option, which was option B, hey, you twerps down there, come on up and we'll teach you a lesson. That was the more likely option that the Philistines would have, would have chosen. Jonathan said that will be the sign that God wants us to go up. The sign that would more, most certainly put us in harm's way. Do you think Bob Goff would create an organization called Love Does? that goes into foreign countries where there's armed conflict to try to save young girls, do you think that he would put together an organization like that if he believed that God's number one priority was his safety, yes or no? No, not at all. See, God's highest priority is not your safety. God's highest priority is fulfilling his will on earth as it is done in heaven, guys. Isn't that what the prayer says? Come on, let's quote it together. Those of you who are Catholic, you're real good at this. Come on, let's do it together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Where? Okay, we can stop there. We can stop there. All the Catholics are keeping going. They're still going. Sorry, we're not done yet. I love Catholics. They're just great. But anyway, don't get distracted. Don't get distracted. On earth, As it is done in heaven. God's highest priority is not your safety. God's highest priority is using you and me to fulfill his will on earth as it is done in heaven. Guess what? There's a lot of crap going on on this earth that's not right. There's a lot of evil that needs to be stopped and prevented. Which means his people, hang on, hang on. Which means his people, you and me, have to be willing to step into dangerous situations to push back the darkness. And if we play it safe, if we refuse, we will miss out on all that God wants to do in and through us and all that he wants to do in this world. God's highest priority is not your safety. What is the advanced mentality? You know what it really is? It's going until you get a no. That's really what it is. You get a general direction, God, Tell Saul, I want to defeat the Philistines. Okay, we don't have a plan. So Jonathan comes up with this terrible plan. It's an awful military plan, but it doesn't matter because it's not about the plan. It's about the direction. He was obeying God. You have a general direction in your life concerning sexuality. Go. You have a general direction concerning marriage and relationships and parenting, go, move. You have a general direction in terms of occupation that your job is supposed to help some way in this broken world, then go and do it. You have a general direction in terms of money and generosity, then go and do it. Well, how much should I give? I don't have a plan, I have some debt. Look, I don't know the plan. Just move, just go because you have a, you know God says that he loves a cheerful giver and he wants us to be generous to other people. I'm so thankful that the apostle Paul had an advanced mentality. We wouldn't be sitting here without him today, I'm convinced. He's the main character in the New Testament if you take out Jesus and maybe Peter. Like Paul had this incredibly, you know, advanced advanced mentality i mean he was the first one with the advanced mentality i mean if you know the story in the book of acts which basically details his exploits what god did through him and his friends the church is exploding in the book of acts chapter 16 because he's out preaching he's going to every city that he can possibly go to and I want you to see what happens in Acts chapter 16, because he, he's so committed. He's got his foot down, pedal to the metal, green light, and God actually has to step in and stop him. It's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of funny. Listen to what happens in Acts chapter 16. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phygea and Galatia. Why? Why were they in Phrygia and Galatia? Because they had been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. It's like God stopped them from going to Asia. Like something was going to happen. They were probably going to get killed in Asia. So God's like, hey, look, look, we need to keep this guy alive. <laughs> so shut the door. And we need him to preach a little bit longer before he gets killed. By the way, did Paul get killed for his faith? Yes or no? Yes or no? Yes, he did. God's highest priority is in our safety. Eventually, Paul gets killed for his faith. But the Holy Spirit says, not yet. Let's keep them alive a little bit longer. See, I think this is funny. Y'all are not laughing. <laughs> Look at the next verse. Look at the next verse, verse 7. When they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus says, no, you can't go to Bithynia yet because they're going to kill you. <laughs> and we got to keep you alive for a little bit longer to preach the gospel and launch more churches. But you, will, you do have a death date and you will die. Paul had an advanced mentality. It was go until you get a no. Is this making sense? I remember uh, a couple years ago, somebody came down front right here and they were talking to me about this church, this little church called Garfield Park Community Church. And they said, hey, you know, I've got friends over there at this church, and the church is struggling. And would Emmanuel be interested in a conversation about helping them out and, and maybe working a merger or something like that? And that was a, it was right here. And, and do you think I came up with like seven reasons why we couldn't do it? It's like, well, that's an interesting thought, but we don't have the money, and we've never done a merger before, and we really don't know what we're doing. And so, no, 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 no. Do you think I did that? No! I was like, a merger? Yes. Conversation? Yes. I will call. Give me a number. Monday, Tuesday, we'll meet. Yes, 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 yes. You know, that was two years ago. And now we have this amazing campus in Garfield Park. And right now I'm speaking to them right now. And since Garfield Park got launched, 49 people have put their faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Listen, it's an advanced mentality. You want us to take over. You want us to merge. You want us to be. Yes, yes, yes. And we're going to try to do that with as many churches as we possibly can. Churches in Seymour, churches uh, over in Martinsville, or whoever calls us, we're like, yes, 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 we'll talk, we'll meet, yes, yes, yes. Why? Because we're gonna go until we get a no. I remember when I was 18 years old, I was a freshman at NYU. I was playing basketball on the basketball team. I was going to class. NYU, if you don't know it's one of the most secular schools in the whole nation. And I had just put my faith in Christ And I was the only Christian on my basketball team. And even though I was on fire in my faith, I was starting to struggle because of the environment. And I had this, this not an audible voice, but I had God tell me in my spirit, general direction, not specifics, you need to focus on your faith. You need to let go of basketball and focus on developing a stronger relationship with me. Oh, wow, okay. No plan. No details, nothing from the Bible, just a general direction. So I was at church, like not long after that, and I run into this guy that I had played basketball against in high school. His name was Eric Sorensen, and I start talking with him. I say, "Hey, how's it going?" He said, "I'm playing basketball at Liberty University." I said, "No way, that's awesome. What's Liberty?" Didn't even know, <laughs> no idea. He said, oh, it's this great Christian college where we focus on Christ and, he, you know, it builds build your faith. And this, he just started describing what Liberty was like. I said, man, that sounds like a place I need to go to. He said, you should come down. I could talk to the coach. I can get you a tryout, blah, 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 all that stuff. I said, okay, that's interesting. But I, I want to ta- talk more about my faith and, 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 and I want to I grow my faith. So I went home and I told my parents and I applied and I called my coach at NYU. I said, I think I'm going to leave. Do you know the day I showed up at Liberty University was the day before classes started. I had never seen the school. I didn't know what it looked like. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know where the dorms were. I didn't know where the class, I knew nothing. I just knew I needed to be there. God had given me a general direction and I went with it. You know, a year and a half later, I met this tall, blonde, beautiful woman (laughs) just walking through the campus one day like an angel. I think she was floating. Who's that? We started talking. She grew up in Greenwood, Indiana, came to this church, Emmanuel Church, and now I'm your pastor. Incredible, incredible. Listen, it's an advanced mentality. Like, get a general direction and go with it. You know what it really is? An advanced mentality is really a life of faith. It's trusting God that where he leads you in a general direction, he's going to fill in the gaps. Like that was Jonathan. Let's go back to verse six. Look at what Jonathan says to his armor bearer. Perhaps, maybe, there's a chance the Lord's gonna help us. Why? Nothing's too hard for him. Like for us, this is impossible. Two verses 20, no way. But with God, look, he can defeat anyone, whether you have a big army or a small army. Doesn't matter. God can fill in the gaps. Uh, An advanced mentality is really trusting God. This is what God told Joshua when Joshua was taken over from Moses. Do you remember that's the part of the story in Exodus? Moses goes off the scene. Joshua is the new ruler. And God says, you're going to go into the promised land and you're going to take it. Uh, problem, there's people there already. <laughs> the Canaanites, the Hizzites, Hivites, the Jezebites, all the, all the ites, right? And guess what else? They're battle-tested. They know how to swing a sword. They fought many, like, they, like some of the cities have walls around them. And we've been in, in, in the wilderness for 40 years. No one has a sword. We've never fought a battle. And you want us to just go into the promised land and take it? Like Joshua, do you agree? Joshua had reason to fear, yes or no? I mean, of course he did. He'd never fought a battle before. And so God has to say to him, and this is a great life verse. If you don't have a life verse, man, maybe this should be yours. Listen to what God tells Joshua. This is my command, Josh. Pay attention. Be strong and courageous. Do not be discouraged. Why? Because he had reason to. He did not have a sufficient army to go in and take the promised land. What is the reason why he should be strong and courageous and not give in to fear? Because the Lord your God is, say it with me, he's with you. We just got done singing this. He's with you in the fire. That's a reference to God being with Daniel in the fire when Nebuchadnezzar threw him in there. God is with you. And he's the one that we trust in as we take these risks, as God gives us general direction. Is this making sense? (sighs) So good, so good, so good. You know... Well, I was on my study break for the, last, for the month of July and it's, uh, it's so interesting because Pastor Cody went down to Tennessee almost the same week that I was there and uh, we were there the, the first for the 4th of July weekend and then the week after that. First week Jackie and I were, were with me, uh, Jackie was with me, the kids are with me. Second week I was by myself and so I'm by myself on the side of this mountain in Gatlinburg and I've got five days left of this, this part of the study break and I'm actually studying for the series. And so I go out for this run and uh, by myself, like I said, shorts, T-shirt, bottle of water. And all of a sudden I run into this guy right here. Can you see him? Like I'm standing here and that's a big giant 400 pound grizzly bear. No, 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 it's not. It's just a black bear, probably about 200 pounds. But he looked 400 pounds and it looked like he had fangs and claws. So I'm on the road, there's no one around. The only time I've ever seen a bear in my life is in the zoo, okay? Now I'm face to face with a wild bear, a black bear. And he starts walking towards me. Now I've watched the YouTube videos and they all say don't run. I wanted to run, but I didn't run. Because you cannot run a bear. They run like 35 miles an hour. Anyway, they only eat you when they're hungry or when you mess with their babies. I could go on about bears because I watch YouTube. Anyway, anyway, come back. You walk backwards, so I start walking backwards, it starts walking towards me. Okay, now I have physical pain in my body because of this thing called fear. Have you ever been there? Like it hurt inside of me. So I did what I needed to do. I grabbed my phone and, and I took a picture of it and then, and then. Because I wanted evidence of the you know for my life. If, if this my life is about to end, I needed somebody to know. You know, so so I took a quick photo and then I did what every other 40-some-year-old man would do. I, I FaceTime my wife. Okay, so now I've got the FaceTime going, and, and I'm like, do you see this? You know, the bear. You remember that? It's crazy. And my son is in the background, my 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 son Bo is in the background, he's like, Dad, go back to the cabin. You're gonna get eaten. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm like trying to get a better view of the, of, of the bear, you know. And, and so, I, uh, you know, he, he wasn't hungry, and he, got, he lost interest in me, and so he ran up on the side of the mountain, and I went back to the cabin. When I got back to the cabin, there's a point of this story. When I got back to the cabin, I was like, okay, I've got five days left. There's bears outside. <laughs> and the, the whole shark thing hit me. Like, there's sharks in the water, then you're in the water, you lose your butt. I mean, it's just the whole thing. They just get... So I, I started to feel like I was gonna be trapped in the cabin for five days. Like I can't go out because there's bears outside, right outside my house. And so I'm like, no, I'm already afraid of sharks. I'm not gonna be afraid of sharks and bears. Like this is getting ridiculous. So I get in the car and I drive down to the camping store there that, that was right there. And, and I, I tell the guy, look, I'm staying in a cabin. I just saw a face, I came face to face with a bear. It almost bit me, But you know. Uh, <laughs> And he tells me, man, we've been seeing a lot of black bears around here. That it's just been a lot. You know, a couple people have been reporting. I said, okay, I don't want to stay in my cabin all day. Plus, I've got all these smoky mountains around me. I want to go into the mountains. I want to seal nature. I want to, you know, get out there. And he's like, got just what you need. Come on over here, he tells me. Bear spray. Here's how it works. You see a bear, you pull it out, you spray it. He leaves. Works. $45 later. Right there, right there, right there. I am the coolest cat in all the Smokies. I mean, so I buy the bear spray. I also buy myself hiking boots, didn't have a pair. I mean, sweet hiking boots. I bought myself one of those walking sticks. I bought a hiking hat. I bought hiking shorts. I bought hiking shirt. I'm $250 in at this point. Like I am focused. I am not staying in that cabin. And so I go back and I, my, I'm talking to my wife and there's like an app, this app you can do that gets all the trails all over the Smokies, right? And so I'm, I'm, I start going on these hikes by myself, like places I've never been before. And I'm, I'm just out in the wilderness. I'm connecting with God. I'm praying, I'm walking. Here's a few photos of what I saw. This is unbelievable. This rock was as big as two school buses. I'm not, And it's coming out of the side of the mountain sideways. I'm like, how did that even happen? This picture I snapped at the top I went all the way to the top of a mountain, I snapped a picture across. It was so beautiful. I was praying, I was connecting with God. God was restoring my heart and soul. I saw so many waterfalls just like this. And here's, here, here's my point. I would have missed all of that had I been trapped by fear back at the cabin. Amazing. I'm so glad I didn't give in. So I go on the first hike the first day, second day, third day, fourth day, great hikes, the fifth day, it's my last day, and I go on this hike, and, and I'm like, I haven't seen a bear at all, this is great, you know, and so I'm, I'm on my way down, I have about a mile left to get back to the car, and I come across this pile of, you know what, right in the middle of the, of the, of the path, it's, a, it's, a, it's an impressive pile of number two, of number two. And I'm thinking, that is a pile of... Ba- would you like to see the picture of it? I took a, I took a picture. Would you like to see it? Banta Franklin, do you like guys like to see it? Okay, let me show it to you real quick. This is that right here. And I'm like, wow, that is impressive. Like this guy. But okay, we can take that off because it's gross. Here's my point. It was fresh, folks. It was fresh. And so I'm thinking... You know, he's, he's close. He's close. This guy's close. And, and all of a sudden, I felt it. I felt it in my body. I felt the fear coming up, like welling up, like I've got to be on guard. So now I start to walk a little slower, and I'm coming down the mountain. And guys, I'm not kidding you. It was like a movie. All of a sudden, I hear the bushes. Shh, I'm like, <laughs> whoo, I stop. And this, this huge bear runs out, like not even 10 yards away from me. Gallops, like I could see he was so close, I could see his fat shaking. Like it was like, you know, like that, like. And I went like this. I went boom. And I was like, I was on it, guys. I was on it. And if he had made a move at me, I was there. He knew better. He knew better. He went up the mountain. He saw me. You know. I don't wanna compare God to bear spray, I really don't, but when you feel prepared, when you feel like you have what it takes you know, uh, to, to handle any situation, to cross a ravine and, and fight two on 20, like when you, when, when you know that God is with you, like God can do anything, you do, you do, do crazy stuff. Now I'm not advocating that people leave here and do crazy stuff. I, you have to have a general direction in your life that this is God's will. But when you get that general direction, whether it be in the area of your finances or in a relationship, like some of you in a relationship, you know you shouldn't be in because the Bible says do not be unequally yoked together. And, but you're too afraid to leave because who else is out there? Like, you, you, like you, have to, you have to know and you get that general direction. God will take care of the details. You just need to move. You need to move. So my question today as I wrap up, it's a real simple one. Will you be bold enough to take a risk? Like, I'm getting older now, and I, 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 as you get older, I think you tend to want to play it more safe. You're aware of more danger. You're aware of more accidents. You, know, you look turn the news on, and you see. You, you, you become more, if, if you don't fight against it and if I don't fight against it, we will hunker down more and more and more. Whether it's because we're afraid of COVID or afraid of what's going on in the, comu- uh, in, in the community or, wh- or whatever. And we, uh, we will isolate ourselves because our tendency is to want to play it safe. I don't want to live that way. Here's why, here's why. I don't want to miss out on what God has in mind for my life. And if I play it safe and if you play it safe, we will miss out on what he wants to do and we'll be left at the end of our lives with a whole pile of regret. Don't do it. Will you be bold enough to take a risk? You know, I'm so glad today that God is not committed to my safety. That's an odd thing to say. I mean, think about it. If God's highest priority was your safety, would any of the disciples died? for their faith no would Paul have died no God would have made sure that they didn't you know get beaten up or stoned or hit over the head with sticks or whipped no but that happened to Paul time and time again if God were committed to the if his highest priority was the safety of his children would Jesus have died come on what do you think no God's highest, if God's highest priority were the safety of his children, Jesus would never have been crucified. God's highest priority is not the safety of his children. It's carrying out his will on earth as it is done in heaven. It is the redemption of mankind. It is providing forgiveness for you. And because that's his highest priority, he was willing to have his very, very, own son put to death. Listen to how Paul explains it. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. God's highest priority is not the safety of his children it's carrying out his will on earth as it is done in heaven aren't you so glad for that where would you be right now without christ's death on the cross he didn't just risk his life he gave his life so that you and i can be forgiven when i heard that message when i was 17 years old i was done i was like i knew i was a sinner I knew I was off the rails sexually. I was doing things, I was disobedient to my mom and dad. I was lying, I was deceiving. I knew I wasn't a good person. And then come along in this message, Jesus died for sinners like me. He gave his life so that I could be forgiven. I was done. I was overwhelmed with the feeling of love that he would sacrifice his life for me. How about you? And so I gave my life to Christ when I was 17 because I I was ambushed by grace. The love of God was a tidal wave that overtook me. How about you? Jesus died for you. Will you respond to that? I'm gonna say a simple prayer. It's a prayer of faith. you can take these words, put them into your own sentences, talk to God right now. Maybe this is your moment where you reach out in faith and you ask Christ to forgive you. Take these words and make them your own. Dear Jesus, thank you. Thank you for not only risking your life, but forgiving your life so that I could be forgiven. Thank you for dying in my place, paying for my sin, canceling the debt that I owed so that I could be your child. I trust you this morning. I reach out in faith. It's small faith. It's inadequate faith. It's immature faith, but it's real. Forgive me today. Wash me, cleanse me from my sin. I turn to you, put my confidence in you, my trust, my faith. Be my Savior today. And from this day forward, teach me to follow, obey, love, and honor you. With all my heart and with all my strength, I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Church, can we give God glory? Amen. He is changing lives all over the place. If you just put your faith in Christ, hey, Emmanuel has put together a present for you, a gift for you. We call it our saved box. It's sort of a starter kit to get you up and going on your faith. Inside this box, there's a Bible, there's instructions on baptism, small group, and some information about the church. And there's also a gift, a coffee cup in here to say congratulations on putting your faith in Christ. You can text the word saved to 65248 grab one of these at the information desk at your campus. If you're watching online, we'll send one of these to you in the mail. One more time, church, can we give God glory? Amen? I'm going to pray right now and dismiss to our local teams. Father, thank you so much for this challenge to take risks, to get a general direction for our lives from you, and then to move forward with confidence, with faith. You give us A compass not a map help us to follow that compass with boldness with bravery that we might experience all that you intend for us we pray this in jesus name amen god bless you guys i'm going to dismiss to the local teams right now